What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Big Uglies Podcast, where the trenches enter the spotlight. We have a packed show for you guys today. We're going to start out by recapping some of the games from this past weekend, and then discuss which teams have already began distancing themselves from the rest of the pack. Um, and then, of course, we have another great interview for you guys with Philadelphia Eagle Jack Driscoll. After the interview, we're going to discuss this Thursday night's game between the Falcons and the Panthers, and then talk about the upcoming trade <laughs> deadline a little bit, which is right around the corner, and some teams have already been making some moves. Um, and then to wrap things up, we're going to end with our Fat Boy Move of the Week segment, along with giving our picks and games to watch for this upcoming week. And with all of that being said, we're going to start with the Bears and the Rams game from last night. And I have one thing to say about the Bears. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. The Bears are capital F frauds. And I told you guys last week, they're frauds. And I played myself because I still bet them. I am – I can't believe I did this to myself. That plus six-and-a-half line, I just I just teased it. I just pushed it up a little bit to seven. Thought I could get a little cutesy. The, the Bears are terrible. They're horrible. That was painful to watch. I'm, I'm still trying to just wrap my mind around everything and how disgusted I am with last night's performance of the Bears, especially because I was on record, you know – saying I'm gonna go with the Bears and I was confident. And they just let they just let both of us down. It was it was a really bad game. Offensive line was really disappointing for in general for us. Um Terrible. and then just and then just I had some you know qualms with Nagy, um his coaching, some of his play calling and you know not using all of his timeouts before halftime. Um just just not an all around good game and I I feel bad for the Bears and their fans because Every week, everyone's been saying, you know, there's an imposter among us on Twitter and all the social media. And they kept proving everyone wrong. And then they finally just – they finally looked like everyone suspected they would. And I don't know what else to say besides I, I just – I think it's going to be, you know, moving forward, I, I think the Bears are going to come back to reality and they're not going to make a push for the NFC North at all. I mean, to me, it's the Packers. It's the Packers to lose. I mean, the, the Bears' offense is just so anemic. It's unbelievable. Like it, like you said with Matt Nagy and, and his play calling, I mean, it, it seemed like it was just run first down, run second down, get one or two yards of carry on those, and then just try to try to make something happen with Nick Foles like on third down. And Nick Foles, I mean, we all know Nick Foles isn't going to – he's not the guy that he was in that Eagles Super Bowl run. He that – was, that was a three-week, one-month uh, – anomaly that's not going to happen again and the Bears offense David Montgomery is so bad for how many carries he gets he cannot make anyone miss he will he refuses to make any sort of move that will make someone miss he just tries to run through guys and he can't he can't do that in the he did that in the big 12 at Iowa State he can't do that in the NFL anymore he is I, I I can't think of a less elusive running back that I've seen get so many carries for so long it's unbelievable to me yeah and it stinks because I, I actually really liked him like coming out of college and I thought he was gonna be a really good running back in the pros but it's he just like seems like he tippy toes around a little bit and doesn't hit the hole very hard and then when he does hit the hole like he just like he just gets stood up he's not loose enough to like make anybody miss so the team just rallies like three guys around him and he gets two yards um but in terms of the other side the Rams I'm I'm trying to think of like what to make of the Rams because they didn't look very good right out of the gate, but you know, they've been playing better recently. Granted, a lot of their wins haven't been against great teams. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. 
and uh, even like the receivers, Woods and Cup, like their offense, even though they won, they still weren't great. It's still they still don't they still don't look like the Rams that went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Um, but their record, they still have a good record, and you know the NFC West is looking really strong, even if they are just like an average or above average team. So um, I don't I don't know what to make of them going forward. Yeah, with the Rams, you know their their five wins have come against the or sorry their four four wins five wins now right? Yeah, their their five wins have come against the NFC East and the Bears. So yeah, it's like right. how much how much stock can we really put into that? The two like solid teams they've seen, you can call the Bears a solid team still, but they are frauds, and I think we all know that they're not they're not a terrible team, but they're not good. But the the two good teams they played the Bills and the 49ers, who I would still call both of those teams good. They lost. Granted, they were close against the Bills. But, yeah, I agree. The Rams are – they're a little bit hard to crack. Um, that division, honestly, that division is pretty pretty amazing. Um, and, and it's interesting because a lot of the teams are built kind of different. The Rams are really now playing through their defense. Their defense looked great last night. I mean, Aaron Donald couldn't be contained. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey was shutting down – a Rob for most of the game, um, you know I was I was very impressed by by LA's um, defense, but again, <laughs> how much stock can we put into that? The Bears are terrible. Yeah, and sticking with the NFC West, Sunday night game was crazy. The Cardinals and Hawks. Oh yeah, um, really good game. I think last weekend we were talking about how good is Kyler Murray. In my opinion, he looked he looked very good, and I, I think he's a very good player. Now, I don't know, like, I don't want to say he's, like, elite just yet in terms of, like, I think he's going to win Super Bowls, like, a, like multiple. Um, but as of right now, he's just a very good player, really fun to watch. And I'm, I was shocked when the Cardinals came back. I, the Seahawks and Cardinals are both very good teams to me, but their defense are just so bad that I don't, I don't see either of them being able to contend for a Super Bowl because of that. Yeah, I mean, this game was, this game was really odd, and, and frankly – Russell Wilson lost that game for the Seahawks. I mean, I talked about it last week um, with uh, everyone giving Mahomes too much credit, you know, in that, in that rainy game against the Bills, not, you know, not faulting him any time that he, he makes a mistake. I had barely heard anything about the fact that Russell Wilson threw three interceptions, not to mention one of them was in the highest leverage situation in the game where they got the mm-hmm. ball back on a miracle missed 41-yarder. They had the ball. They, ha- they had the opportunity to drive down the field, win that game. He throws a pick on third and ten. Like, and, and not to mention, not only were his picks, like, not only did he throw three picks, they were terrible picks. I mean, the one that DK Metcalf miraculously saved the pick six, mm-hmm. that was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. I don't know how he didn't see that safety coming, but regardless, Russ deserves to get slandered for that game. That was a terrible, terrible performance, and he cost his team that game. Yeah, and, and I'm such a huge Russ advocate. Like, I love Russell Wilson. I think he, like, they don't, he doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but at the same time, like, like, he has games like that where it's just, like, his decision-making is just not great. And it's just, he, like you're saying, like, he loses games, like some of the throws he was, like, trying to force or make. Um, but the Seahawks, their receivers are just crazy good. I mean, yeah. Lockett, mo- even more, you know, Metcalf is just – not even a human being at this point, in my opinion. Um, that was so, one of the most insane plays I've ever seen. Yeah, so I, I like. I feel like we have to talk about that as like a football. So you know, if people who've played football, you understand like effort. Uh, coaches always talk about just giving effort. 
like seeing an NFL guy give that much effort. I, thought, I was like, I was fired up for like five minutes after that happened because I just thought about how many other, like he's a star. I would say he's a star wide out by now. Would you like how oh, many yeah. other star wide sure. outs, how many other star wide outs would just like take off like that? I feel like so many guys are divas nowadays where they'd just be like, uh, like, come on, Ross. That wasn't, it wasn't to me. It's kind of a bad throw. Like that's pick six. Like he like immediately just took off and <laughs> it was just an incredible yeah. to watch. Yeah, I was saying the same thing to to one of my friends when I was watching that game. I was saying, you know, DK, he dresses up in, like, some of the, like, you know, he always wears the dark visor. He's got the pacifier uh, yeah. mouth guard. He's he's always dripped out, dripped to the, to the nines. But when you see guys like that, like you see Odell, like, you think Odell's going to make that. Right, that's what I'm no saying. Offense no, to, no offense, but, like, Odell's not going to be the guy making that kind of effort on a play like that. Seeing DK do that. I mean, that's a guy you want to go to war with. And, and to me, yeah. I mean, that reminds me of, of some of the greatest, greatest chase downs ever. The one that comes to mind for me is Larry Allen chasing down that oh, linebacker yeah. on that pick six where he's <laughs> – dude, Moving. Larry Allen was like 340 just absolutely humming down the sidelines catching a linebacker. It reminds me of that. And, and, and honestly, you know, Sometimes those kind of chase downs like that you see, it's, you know, it's a nice play, but it doesn't end up making a massive difference because the team will score after that. But the Seahawks, mm. the Seahawks stopped them on the goal line there. Like that was, yeah. that changed the entire game. Right. That, that was going to be my next point is like, so from the aspect of just like a teammate and seeing that effort, and it's like, you get so fired up, you just want to go back out there and fight with them. But then sure. just in terms of the game, like that, that, that literally like, should have if they could have closed out they could have changed the whole game in terms of their favor because he did that play like that was that was just incredible so i wanted to talk to talk about that for sure um and then moving forward um i think around this time of the year you finally start to see some teams begin to establish themselves as the contenders and break away yeah. um so i want to discuss that starting with the nfc um, in my opinion the top two teams are the packers and bucks um, so if you want to talk about the Packers game this past weekend or the Bucks game, um, if anything st- st- like stood out to you, or if you think, you know, one team has the edge over the other and then just like Tampa Bay, like they're, they're looking great. Although I did see Godwin broke his finger today. I just saw that right before we started recording. So that, that's pretty big news, but they got Antonio Brown coming in. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, exactly. that'll be an interesting situation. Like how good it will be right off the bat. Yeah, the way I see it, the way I kind of want to characterize this is basically teams that I can see winning the Super Bowl. Essentially, any team below the teams that I'm about to name are teams that I would be pretty shocked if they won if they won the Super Bowl. And and for me, it's there's three teams from the from the NFC, and there's I I'd say three teams from the AFC. For me, it's it's the Packers, it's the Bucks, and it's the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense is horrible for sure. But but they're getting I, Jamal I still, Adams back. They're getting Jamal Adams back. So like that I still believe in Russ. I still believe in Russ. And that seems like that. I feel like the Seahawks are always a team that tries to make a move at the deadline, tries to make a splash to actually improve their team. A lot of times you'll see other teams be very conservative and not and not try to give away assets. But the Seahawks always seem to be a team that is trying to stay in it. So I'll give those three teams credit in the NFC. In the AFC, for me, it's the Chiefs, it's the Steelers, it's the Ravens. The Titans, 
although they really did show out in, in the second half against the Steelers, a lot of that was kind of a, a – it, it was kind of weird. Big Ben threw three picks, and a couple of them were off of, off of hands, no? I, I think, yeah, there's the deflections. Yeah, so I, I think I, – I don't think the Titans are really one of those contenders. Like, if I saw them play the Steelers again, the Ravens or the Chiefs, I would – I mean, I would – if I had to set a line for that, it would be like six points. Like, I don't think the Titans are actually that great of a team. So for me, it's those six teams that if anyone, if any team other than those six would came out and won the Super Bowl, I would be shocked. Yeah, I I have the same six as you. Um, for the NFC, I think the Bucks right now might be the most complete team or like the hottest team in terms of just all around. Especially yeah. since they just killed the Packers, I got to give them the edge. Um, their defense is their defense is playing a lot better than I thought they would, and. If like Brady has a good defense and he has all these weapons, like they're they're going to be tough to beat. And obviously, they have so many weapons; it's kind of crazy how, when you think about it. Um, but the Packers, like you still have Aaron Rodgers and everybody, so definitely not counting the Packers out. Um, Seahawks, I love the Seahawks, but their defense, I just don't trust them at all right now. And then in the AFC, Steelers, Chiefs, and Ravens for sure. Um, Steelers and Ravens play this week, so that's obviously a monster game, and we'll kind of get a better opinion. Like, we'll get a better idea of like how they match up and what they look like um, against each other to you know kind of figure out what, like who's really better. Like right now, I have the, the Steelers ahead of the Ravens, just because the Steelers begin you know playing some more prime time games, if you will. Um, so they begin more love, but the Ravens kind of been you know in the shadow, so. I think this is a big game for them to come out and say, like, we're still in the mix. It's not just the Steelers and Chiefs, you know? For sure. Um, for sure. So, like, those, those would be my, my teams in the AFC. And the Chiefs. I do want to say something quickly about the, the Bucks before we move on. I don't understand what happened in their game against the Bears. How did they lose that game? The Bears, like, what happened? It's funny you say that because just today I saw, I think someone tweeted like this team, like don't forget this team lost to the Bears, and I was like, holy crap! Like I totally forgot. Like I forget like, that the they, like, Bucks have did, two losses. How did that happen? Like that was they lost to the Saints right in, in Week One, but then they lost to the Bears. I I don't understand how that happened after watching the Bears last night. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's like that's one of those things moving forward, like. It's obviously kind of like a fluke, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the the, the 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 fringe teams, like the Seahawks, the Titans, and I'd say like the Saints and Bills are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they, I don't think they'll win it. Like I don't think as of right now, I can't really see them winning it. Um, but if they, if any of those teams made a run, like I wouldn't be shocked either. They're all, they're all pretty. This is, this is a pretty uh, entertaining year, I think, in the NFL in terms of you know solid teams. Yeah, I agree. I agree with those teams. You know, those are teams that I could see making a run, but I can't see them winning. I can't see them winning against three straight, four straight playoff contending teams. That's all I have to say about those teams. Now, before we get to our interview with Jack Driscoll of the Eagles, uh, we just want to run through a couple of headlines from across the league um, that kind of shook up the NFL this week, or at least were, were notable. And so I'll start with the um, Odell injury. Uh, he went down, I think it was on the second play of the game. Um, that's a big loss for the, for the, for the Browns and people forget the Browns are five and two They're I mean, they, they lost, a, they lost big to the Steelers, but that's a good team. 
and losing a guy like Odell, um, that, that hurts. Yeah, definitely. And, and just like, it's, it sucks to see, you know, star players go down this year has been like the most in recent memory. So add him, whoever's doing the knee surgeries, who's that famous doctor, you know, add, add Odell to the list. Cause there's just so many, you know, torn ACLs right now. It's, it's just, it stinks for the game. Let's just say that even though guys are getting shot, you know, to, you know, maybe the next star will be born, but it's still, you never want to see guys go down. Even as a Steelers fan, and it's, it stinks seeing like someone like Odell go down for sure. Sure. Um, and then something I want to talk about the Cowboys, even though they're still in a race for the division, I mean, they're just so bad that I'm thinking at this point, maybe they, they should just, just not like, they should just tank basically is what I'm saying. Um, if they're going to roll with Ben DiNucci, no offense <laughs> to DiNucci. I, I didn't even, I didn't see him play anyone once he came in, but I just find it hard pressed that they're even going to be able to like win many games with him under center. Um, and they just traded Everson Griffin. So maybe they're already doing a little fire sale action. Um, yeah. I was going to say that like, the trade to, to of Griffin might be indicative that they are moving towards a tank, which again, crazy. They're half a game out of, out of the playoffs right now. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that, but to continue off the Cowboys game, we have to talk about that Andy Dalton hit. And John Bostic, right? I, I don't understand, especially as a former lineman. Both of us, I think we both feel the same way about this. How do you not? You should be getting ripped off the field and claw. You should be <laughs> clawing at John Bostic's eyes. Like that was one of the most egregious hits I've ever seen. The fact that the O line did not immediately go after Bostic, I think, is very telling about where that locker room stands right now. Yeah, and that's. I think that's like. If you if you if you've played before, or even just like follow, you're like a big fan of football and follow you you know, like it's unwritten rule to like hit a quarterback like that, and usually offense linemen just go after the guy, and like that's such an indicator to me that like the fact that no one went after him is just I was like pissed off when I like when I saw that happen, um, and someone tried defending it on Twitter, talking about toxic masculinity, like I was just like. He, yeah. he rightfully so got torn apart today by everybody. Um, and I, it's just like, I think of guys like Jason Peters and, you know, Mark, like Pouncey, like what, what remember when Garrett hit Rudolph, they were literally kicking Pouncey. I mean, they were kicking oh, uh, oh my God. Garrett no. on the ground. Like, like it turns into a street fight if that happens to my quarterback. And it's really, it's definitely telling that they didn't go after that guy, like where that locker room stands right now. Like they, like, I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me. For sure. And sticking with the Cowboys and just, like, teams that need quarterbacks right now in general, I'm very interested in, like, the Fitzmagic situation. Um, being that he's a backup now and, and he's obviously not getting any younger, I, I even I think it would be beneficial for the Dolphins too. Like, I'd be shopping him to some of these, like, kind of, like, arguably contenders right now, even, like, the Cowboys, Bears-type teams who just, like, have quarterback problems. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick was dealing before he got benched. I would be trying – if I was a Dolphins, I'd be trying to do him a favor and us a favor by trying to get some – like, you can get any random pick for him, I think would be, like, a win for them. I would love to see Fitzmagic somewhere else. Anytime he's in the league and playing, it's it's just more fun that way. Also, he's still – I mean, he 
his him getting benched and, and Tua coming in was at no fault of his own. He was playing well. He had he had the Dolphins team. You know what are they five hundred right now? I mean they're yeah, playing they're, good football. Yeah, he was he he was doing like very well, and I think that's why everyone was pretty shocked when he got benched. And you know he talked about he was really really sad. They're three and three. Yeah, they're doing well. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think Fitzmagic would be fun elsewhere. Um, I think there are other quarterbacks too, though. That I if I were a team. Frankly, like the Steelers, I would actually be making a call. I'd be making a call to a team like the Jets and just just take a see a see a little bit about what they think about Sam Darnold. Are they thinking about keeping him, or if they get Lawrence, are they just gonna? I mean, they're gonna lock that yeah. in. Right? So why wouldn't you get what you can right now for for a guy like Sam Darnold, who I still think has an opportunity. He's just been ruined by the Jets and Adam Gase. And yeah, I, I agree with that. I. Uh... I've seen different like fan accounts on Twitter. So it's probably, there's probably nothing real behind it. Um, But Darnold was Juju, Juju's college quarterback. So people are saying that, you know, Juju could recruit him to come to Steelers and like be a backup for a year or two under, under Ben. And so I've seen other, like I've seen accounts say like, you know, get him on the cheap basically. um, If, if the jets are going to like just tank for Lawrence. And I actually love that though is, is Juju even going to be on the Steelers? (laughs) That's a good point. But Juju aside, I actually do think because Rudolph's obviously not the guy. I think it'd be it'd be interesting and kind of cool to get like a Darnold or even like a Haskins, like a young guy who yeah. like is in a terrible situation, and just like let him sit behind Ben and like maybe you can learn and give him a shot like with all of our weapons and defense after after Ben retires. Yeah, I was saying the same thing about uh, Josh Rosen like two years ago for the Packers. Um, obviously before they drafted um, Jordan Love. But I was, thinking, I was saying, you know, if, if they're going to take a third, third, fourth, fifth rounder for a guy like Josh Rosen, who was a formerly a, you know, top 15 pick, why not, why not give a chance? Like, at least, at least give a call, see what they're thinking, like what they're, they're trying to get for that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Do your due diligence. Exactly. As Coach, exactly. As Coach, T, as Coach T would say. <laughs> exactly. Um, going, continuing – uh, around the league one thing i want to say that is just i'm i'm very happy that this is finally true the patriots think they're terrible <laughs> it, and i can't tell you how happy it makes me i know it makes you even more happy being a steelers oh, yeah. fan but but you know a lot of our friends from college are patriots fans and it, it brings me nothing but joy seeing them struggle yeah and if we have any patriot fan listeners um I'm not really sorry. You guys won six Super Bowls in like 20 years, so you shouldn't – you yourselves shouldn't really be mad. Like it's just kind of the natural progression of, you know, how this thing usually works. Um, you guys just had a little wrong, longer run than the average uh, team. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great seeing them just not do well. Even though I do like Bill Belichick, he's an awesome coach, and like I love like, his mic'd up. If, you ever, if you've never seen Bill Belichick mic'd up, like you got a YouTube, but he's just – He's just a classic guy. All right, and that's going to wrap up the first half of the show. Uh, we're going to move into our interview segment with Philadelphia Eagle Jack Driscoll. Uh, we had an awesome conversation with Jack, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go! Touches on three! One, two, three! Charges! All right, thank you so much for tuning in to our second interview. We have a great guest lined up for you guys today. Uh, he played his college ball at the University of Massachusetts and then was a grad transfer to Auburn University where he finished his college playing career. In fact, he started the final 45 games of his college career, which marked the 10th longest active streak by an FBS offensive lineman. So we got a little Ironman on our hands tonight. 
He was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the fourth round of this past year's NFL draft, and he's already started two games. Unfortunately, he's been a little banged up recently and was unable to play against the Giants last night. But nonetheless, we are super excited to have you on the podcast. Um, so without further ado, please welcome Jack Driscoll. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for joining us, Jack. And uh, yeah, let's hop right back, right into the game from last night. Um, were you on the field during the game? No, it's so unfortunately with um, the COVID rules this year because I was inactive. So if you're not dressing, you are. You're in one of the suites up top. But you know, regardless, it was still electric environment at the link. Um, even though there were only about 7,500 fans, it fell every one of them, and you know, it had that rivalry feeling. And um, it was really cool to be, you know, just in the stadium and feel that energy. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a – it was kind of an odd game, uh, just a weird flow to the game. But you guys ended up pulling out a, a massive victory, especially with you guys in the in, – with the division being so tight right now. Such a huge game. What was the feeling in the locker room like after that? Uh, you know, like, so I, I wasn't in the locker room. Oh, just weren't even like, allowed in the locker room. No, yeah, it's it's pretty strict. Jeez. You know, like, once – if you're not dressing, you're – you know, you can't go to the locker room. You can't go to the, on the sidelines. But – you know, even just in team meeting today and kind of getting a vibe from everyone, it was everyone fired up because, you know, we've worked so hard. Uh, everyone, you know, coaches, everyone in the building. And we've had so many injuries and we've been close in a few games. And um, I think we're starting to click right now. And it's a big time win. And just like you said, to be first place in the conference, you know, it doesn't matter what your record is. At the end of the day, one of us is going to the play, you know, hosting a playoff game. So we want to be there. We want to be the team hosting it. And, um, you know, it helps with the, our bye week coming up to kind of get some guys back and just kind of, you know, keep playing. And I think we're, uh, especially as an offense, we're super close to being uh, very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that you weren't on the field. I was going to ask you about the Danny Dimes run. Uh, just, just <laughs> see <what> that, <laughs> that was like if a sprinkler head might have popped up and got him. Um, but I want to go back to uh, your days at UMass. Um, so Stan and I are familiar with UMass uh, as we talked before the show. Um, I had a buddy who actually played at Amherst, which is right down the street, uh, for basketball. So I visited and I've been around the town. But I'm honestly not too familiar with, like, the UMass football team or college in general. Um, so what was, your, what was your time like playing there? And I, you actually graduated from there too, I believe. So you spent yeah. a decent amount of time there before you transferred. Yeah, no, I spent, like, you know, a little over three years there. And it's great, you know, just um, – yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, you know, you've been in Amherst. It's a great college town. It's a fun place to be. And um, it's great. You know, uh, I, I played under Coach Whipple for three years. And, you know, he really has had the program on the right direction. And, um, you know, offense especially is a fun, you know, it's a true pro style scheme. So that's something I think that's helped me on later down the line. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of great players have come out of UMass, and especially at that time. You know, my first ever roommate in college was Andy Isabella, you know, second-round pick oh, last wow, year. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. that was my Small first world, ever. yeah. We were the two. We were the only two recruits that couldn't show up in the summer, so we were like at the like in the middle of the summer, we had to show up later than everyone because uh, both our schools got out later. So they naturally just put us together. So I still talk to him. Um, it'll be nice to see him after the Cardinals game and kind of catch up a little bit. But um, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, no, it's uh, it it was a great place, and you know that was a special three years for me. You know, kind of those the relationships I formed there uh, I'm still you know best friends with those guys to this day you know kind of going through all the you know ups and downs of freshman being a freshman in college football and kind of getting that right you know everyone's been there um where it's it's hard it's hard you know and I uh, kind of going through that those guys is uh, made those relationships super special and um so that's a special place in my heart and I think um coach Bell has that program going in the right direction uh you know guys I do know on that team still are really working hard to get it going now, I'm always interested when 
when I see the stories about guys who are going from either D3 or D2 or, you know, D1 AA teams um, transferring to a bigger power five school like you did to going to Auburn, what is that process like? And is that, is that you reaching out to those schools saying like, watch my film? Like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a real, like, I can play with you guys. Like this is, I can play at your level or is it them reaching out to you saying we want you? It's a little bit of both. And, you know, um, when I left UMass, some things happened and whatnot, but you know, it's why for a few reasons and kind of a long story, but um, I didn't want to be you know, posting on social media, you know, like, Oh, like, you know, you see some guys doing today, like, you know, trying to, I just figured, you know, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, it was kind of late already and, I wanted to contact the schools I wanted to. So I would kind of find a person that was unblocked on Twitter. You know, maybe it's like their director of ops person or like mm-hmm. the defensive backs GA or something. And just kind of send like, Hey, like this is my film. I made the satellite tape. You know, I had some accolades too um, for um, some of the like sources and sites and stuff. So that helped too to kind of say, you know, like when I was at UMass, we played five SEC teams and a few other uh, P5 schools. So mm-hmm. I had tape against some guys who were drafted in the NFL um, pretty high. Uh, and a lot of guys were still playing in the league. So that kind of helped me out. Um, you know, I know some dudes who, uh, like, you know, that was my experience from being Division One, Division Three. I'm assuming it's probably a lot of both. I mean, I, I know one of my best buddies actually uh, – got drafted from a division three school this past year. I was training out in the combine. So I know it was kind of interesting to hear his story and how like the obstacles he had to overcome to get there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my question I have for you is what was that transition like from the UMass level to the sec level of play um, every day? Like I know you said you played some power five schools, but what was there a noticeable difference for you like transitioning um, from UMass to uh, Auburn and just the speed, you know, the size, maybe all the playbook. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, because we had played those teams, I had seen it, but not on a day in and day out basis. And that's the difference. Like mm-hmm. I knew what it like, you know, you know, you block those guys on a Saturday and it's whatever, but you know, once you get there, you know, you're blocking guys for us like last year, Derek Brown and Marlon and, you know, Animals. two guys who start on Sundays, like you have oh, to yeah. bring it every day. Otherwise like they can embarrass you and like, and ruin your day really quick. So, that was one of the you know the best parts for me of going to school like Auburn's every day you got to bring it. I knew that would elevate my game and you know um, if you want to play in the SEC especially the SEC West you know you have to bring it every day because the guys you're going against are so good, uh, especially at school like Auburn. So it was I would say that was the biggest difference. But um, you know at the end of the day I, I enjoy competition. I love that kind of stuff and I love you know having to earn you know earn a spot and earn the respect of my teammates again. Um, it kind of is that new start. So. It was something I looked forward to, and, uh, you know, I, it was a long process, but I enjoyed it. So being in the SEC, you know, obviously, you know, the power of college football for decades now, what, are there any specific games or any specific environments, maybe away games that you can remember? Like that game was just insane, like walking in the stadium, you get the butterflies. Is there, is there any one game that stands out to you? Yeah, and this answer surprised a lot of people. It's It was Florida. That was the really? game where it was like, you know, the Iron Bowl was big when we went into Brian Denny, but we weren't really ranked that high at the time. Or, like, you know, it wasn't like a top five, top ten matchup. And same with Georgia last year. We had a few losses up to that point. But when we played Florida, we were both undefeated. 
It was the first time the Swamp had hosted a top 10 game since Tebow. It was college game day, and we were the CBS 230 primetime game of the week. I'm not kidding. When we got off that bus, it was just – it was <laughs> insane. And the whole game, it was like we had so many problems because we used to um, – like some of our snap dances were on the clap and whatnot. You couldn't hear anything. So you had guys jumping. You had guys not moving on the ball and getting beat around. It was just – that was and they the way their stadium's built too. It's like straight up and down. It's not as wide. It got so loud, and that was definitely the craziest game I've played in. That's a nightmare, especially for a tackle going against a pass rusher on like third down, not oh, yeah. having the snap, which is your full advantage on that. That is, oh, I, I do not envy that at all. <laughs> no, yeah. If you can't get off on the snap count, you got someone who's jumping the count. It is, or yeah, it is long. So that was definitely something that we had to figure out. Absolutely. Um, so being a two-star recruit out of high school and then going to UMass and then all of a sudden you're at Auburn, you played, you started two years in a row. Um, like when you had the realization that, yeah, NFL was a legitimate shot and then, you know, fast forwarding all the way to draft night, that, like that's a pretty incredible journey. Um, so like, what was that, what was that night like for you? Cause that's pretty, that was pretty recent. That was not too long ago. So I'm sure it's all been like a whirlwind for you the past few months. Yeah, it's just been even weirder with COVID, you know, kind of right. it's weird, you know, by the time our bowl game was over and then, you know, my college all-star game, COVID had not even hit, you know, so I'm mm-hmm. thinking like I'm going back to Auburn to train for pro day and then blah, blah, I'm like, you know, set, setting up individual workouts and then bam, just like it hit and everything got screwed up. Pro days got canceled. And all. It was just, it turned into a long and weird process, you know, a lot of virtual meetings and all that with coaches and, so to kind of finally hear my name called on draft night, you know, I think I counted. I, I moved like seven times throughout like the time my bowl game ended to the time yeah. I got drafted. So a lot of living out of the suitcase and Damn. jumping from spot to spot. But it was definitely a relief because it kind of just all that hard work paid off. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, it was like, you know, you understand it's the beginning of the journey because now it's like you got to make the team and establish a role. So, you know, you kind of celebrate that night, but then the next mm-hmm. day get back to it. And, um just really now try to, like you said, keep carve out a role and just help the Eagles win games. And did you have any sort of idea of either where in the draft or where in the NFL, what team you would end up with? Did you have sort of an idea or was that kind of, you know, when it came to draft day, you're like, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, I had, my realistic thought was three to five. And, you know, you always take that with a grain of salt because, there's, you know, you'll see someone thinks you're the, should be the number one pick, and then some person thinks that you shouldn't be signed on a free agent deal. Yeah, so yeah. it's so much far and in between. You got to be careful with what you listen to. You don't want to get too high on yourself, and you know, because that's that's a tough for draft nights. You know, guys think they should. Every guy thinks they should go higher in the draft. You know, they think you're better, and you know, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. And then you don't want to get too low either throughout the process, and you know, think that oh, you know, I'm not, you know, worth anything. I don't belong here. So you just got to keep a level head through it. So I kind of thought that was a good expectation. If I went higher, great. If I went lower, more of a chip, I'm, you know, just hey, someone else I'm going to use as a chip on my shoulder to uh, earn my spot and just use it as motivation. But um, that was my goal. The Eagles, my agent had said, you know, um, that he knew there was interest. And um, at one point in the draft, he had called me earlier that morning. He just said, hey, like, you know, one of the spots that the Eagles have two picks uh, at the end of the fourth round, like that's a possibility. And, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of get that call from the Philadelphia area code and seeing they were up yeah. next under it was it was pretty surreal and it was um, a moment I'll cherish forever. And you know, like I said, it just it was kind of that culmination of hard work and dedication mm-hmm. throughout this process to 
paid off. Yeah, and, and I saw while I was doing some research, I saw that your dad was actually drafted by the Bills in 1989. So I'm sure that must have been a pretty awesome moment uh, to have with him, you know, both being drafted in the NFL. Like, not, not many families can say that. Yeah, and it just, you know, I was saying someone earlier too, it's, it's just nice too to kind of have someone who's been there and understands right. the process and, you know, can kind of give that kind of advice. Bro. It's like, you know, it's, it is draft night there's so much stuff that goes on and like you know he always just say keep a level head you know someone like, like he was you know you don't like you don't want to say you don't want to think too high like, i'm gonna be a first overall pick and then you don't want to think too low so mm-hmm. uh, kind of just help me keep level head and you know get here what was it like trying to get integrated uh into the team with the eagles one being a covid year being you know kind of odd but also you coming into a team that, especially at O-line, you guys have some absolute studs. And granted, you guys, as you mentioned earlier, you guys have had some injuries, which is real tough. But, you know, especially for a guy like who you, who, you know, I think project mostly to play tackle, although you've been playing both guard and tackle, which is pretty crazy. But playing with a guy like Lane Johnson and then, you know, other studs like Kelsey and, you know, you got some absolute killers on that O-line. What have you, oh, yeah. what have you learned from those guys? And what was it like? How did you gain the respect of those guys? You know, it's it's something I still do to say, and it's kind of just, you know, keep your head down and work. You know, I'm a rookie. I know my place. Like, you know, I'm not – you know, you don't want to say, like, you're not worthy, but, like, you know, you got to act – you know, you don't want to act like you own the place and walk in. So, kind of just, you know, keep your head down and understand, like, you know, just learn from every, every day. You know, just don't want to be annoying or pain in the you know, ass. Those guys but just, you know, hey, like, when you have a question, you know, we're lucky that our vets, like guys like Kelsey, guys like Lane and JP – are really helpful to rookies because oh, yeah. I've heard it's not like that at all places. So um, it's really nice to have those guys where if you ever, you know, needed like advice on something or just a question, you can ask them, but it's really just for me watching those, how those guys act as pros, you know, those are guys who have been at the top for a long period of time and who are, you know, you know, those guys are some of the, you know, you're talking potential hall of famers in that group. So oh, yeah. um, just how they conduct themselves on a day-to-day basis. Hey, what are they doing extra? You know, how do they, you know, take notes during meetings and stuff because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if we have, if I have half as good of a career as those guys, then I can say I had a pretty, pretty amazing career. So uh, just really trying to take it day by day and learn from those guys. And you've already had some starts, which is, which is awesome. Um, So have you any, had had any like welcome to the NFL moments or like a certain guy was just crazy good and hard to block? Uh, You know, each week it's been, you know, it's, it's good competition. I started out, you know, I found out I was starting that first game not very, you know, pretty quick, shortly before that game started. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's just kind of like, hey, you're going out there, you're going to start. You know, you, we, we're confident in you. Um, we know you belong here. And it was kind of like a cool, you know, I was a little nervous, but cool moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had, um, you know, the Redskins have a good D-line, so I knew I'd had to bring it. I played well. And, you know, each week I kind of just feel more confident as I go out there. You know, as you get the experience and the game reps and stuff, it really helps because, you know, as you guys know is – you know, you can practice, you can see all the stunts on scout team and you can watch all the film you want, but that game is a lot like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it takes a few reps to kind of get, like see it. And the first game for me was always in college, the weirdest. And it just felt like, you know, you're, you're so you're taking your own team. Now you got a random guy out there. So kind of the more game reps, I just, you know, I feel more and more confident and, um, you know, just kind of feel like I, you know, my role is just kind of help with whatever I can do to help them win games, whether it's a sixth man or being, if someone's out stepping up and doing that. Absolutely. So one thing I'm interested is in is with rookies and, and younger guys in the league, especially, 
they always talk about the transition from college to the NFL and, and diving into the playbook. Um, what, what exactly is the biggest difficulty you've had, you feel, uh, in your transition from college to uh, the NFL? Not, not including sort of physically, and obviously, you know, you have all the physical abilities and you've shown that on Sundays now, but in terms of the mental part of the game, what are those kind of things that, that are, are difficult to uh, grasp for young guys? Is it terminology of new offenses? Is it schemes? Is it, what, what exactly would you, uh, how would you pinpoint that? You know, it's a combination of both, in my opinion, because, um, and that's where I said earlier when I had Coach Whip at UMass, it really helped because we ran a true pro-style offense. So a lot of these plays or concepts, at least I've already seen, and maybe it's called something a little different, but, you know, I've run it before, so I'm familiar with it. But it's hard because you're seeing a lot of these colleges um, go to, you know, these air raid, no huddle, um, you know, spread offenses. And, you know, you know Auburn included, they're, you know, we didn't take a snap on our center all year. So now you go to the NFL where, you know, they're putting the hand in the dirt and you got fullbacks and stuff. It's different, and I think that's what takes guys some time to get used to is just the playbook. And, you know, the physical jump is big too. You know, in college they might have a guy or two on that D line who has a chance to play on Sundays or will play on Sundays. But, you know, the NFL, everyone is, you know, the best. You know, mm -hmm. every guy is strong. Every guy is a good pass rusher. So – just, you know, being able to take that consistency to the next level. Now it's not even like, you know, hey, every few reps at practice, it's every rep against scout team guys that they all belong to. And, um, of course, I think this year with COVID, too, is different just because, you know, we didn't have any OTAs. We had no um, rookie mini camp and we had no preseason games. So, I mean, you're talking a couple of weeks of, camp, like, you know, a few weeks at camp. And you're playing a game and like, you know, there's like, there's no redos or, oh, it's just rookies on rookies in some preseason game or whatever. Like this is a real live, you know, counts towards NFC East game. So it was kind of a weird time for everyone. But at the same time, like rookies, like we didn't know any different, you know, we've never have anything to really compare it to. So course, yeah. um, it's just, yeah, it's been weird. I mean, it'll, it, you know, it's nice to get some fans back and kind of get back to normal in that sense. But um, I think those two things, and um, also, you know, it's it, it's your job. Now. You know, it, it's weird because when you go to college and you're a student and whatever, like you are getting paid. Like your livelihood is to real run this. So, I think some kids struggle with like if you don't do it or you're not executing. Like it's not like oh, you know, we're gonna play some other kid. Like you're cut. Like you know, mm -hmm. they'll they'll bring someone else in there who can do it. And it's kind of the reality that NFL is it kind of hits you in, in camp. It's, Hey, your best friends are some guy. And the next day his lockers completely cleared yeah. out gone with someone else in there. And you didn't even say bye to him. It's like, Whoa, you know, it's real. Like, you know, there's no screwing around. So you mentioned, you mentioned briefly getting the fans back, which is obviously, I'm, I mean, that's exciting. I think everybody wants fans back. Um, but specifically yeah. regarding Philly fans, Philly fans are notoriously, you know, passionate and, you know, some would say crazy, but, what do you have a do you have any uh sort of face-to-face -face experiences with funny uh you know funny stories about experiences with philly fans yet or has that not really happened obviously because you guys are very careful with covid restrictions now yeah you know it's kind of you know everyone's kind of been trying to do their part with covid and not go out as much as possible and all that and even at games but you know philly fans you know people you know you know, they're notorious for being, you know, passionate. And that's one of the reasons why it's fun to play in a city like Philly is because the fans are so passionate on the team. And it's, you know, while it might seem harsh, but, you know, they're just doing it 
as crazy as it sounds, they're really just doing it out of love. You know, they want to see the, the Eagles win so badly that, you know, they'll do whatever it takes. But um, I was excited. And that was, <laughs> yeah. And they'll, they'll do it. I mean, I don't put anything behind it. Like I said, that was what <laughs> when I got picked by the Eagles. Like, I'm kind of from, or, you know, around near the area. So I knew about Eagles fans and whatnot. And actually, when I was at UMass, we played Temple in the link. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so kind of had a you know cool experience there. Um, it was I was really excited to play for a fan base like this. I was so passionate because I've seen you know growing up rivalries like the Yankees, Red Sox, you know all that. And like really, that pro sports rivalry is pretty cool. Yeah, Philly fans are the type of fans where if you're a rival of them, you hate them. If you're uh, if you're an Eagles fan, you're an Eagles player. You love them more than anything. I can imagine. Right. Yeah. It's like I gotta ask when you talked about growing up near them. Being from Connecticut, who was who was your go-to NFL team growing up? It's funny. I never had a team. I I was kind of so half my buddies were like diehard Pats fans, and half were diehard Giants fans. So mm. and there were some big fights. I can tell you when the <laughs> Eli Manning off of that. But um, I kind of was just in the middle. You know, I always just enjoyed watching players. Um, just good football. You know, kind of like you know your guys' account is good. You know, my dad being an old line guy, you know, he was always watching me. Kind of teaching me how to watch the line, but it's different. You know, when you watch the line, it's people don't understand like how to kind of watch it and kind of learning right. to um, understand that up front, what was going on. Oh, yeah. um, I used to, you know, I used to love watching like guys like Brian Erlach or Brian Dawkins and um, guys like that, <laughs> just like intense defensive players and uh, great. Oh, you know, I grew up watching like Joe Thomas and all those guys. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I get fired up just from watching like running backs pick up the right guy. So I'm, I'm, I exactly know what your dad's yeah. saying. Yeah, and then you're with a random person. They're like, why, <laughs> right. why are you excited about that? I'm like, no, yeah, they have no idea. It, yeah, it ends up being incomplete, but you're like, man, like, that was a great pickup, though, by that back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of my older brothers played wide receiver in college, and, and whenever I'm watching the game, I'm always like, oh, my God, you like, do you see that block? Do you see that pickup or something? They're like, why the hell are you watching that? Like, there was just yeah. a, we just said we had a 40-yard, <laughs> like, catch down the side. I was like, well, it's not happening if that, right, that running back doesn't happen. make that block, man. Yeah, people think you're crazy. Exactly. So sticking with the, the rookie theme, um, and for our case, the freshman theme, I mean, college we had a tradition where the freshmen had to go to McDonald's and we had a nugget challenge, like an eating contest. Um, so you just order as many nuggets as they can make, and then we would just eat until, you know, someone – You had to literally <laughs> call McDonald's ahead <laughs> and be like, hey, we're going to have 400 nuggets consumed tomorrow. Like, just make sure you're ready for right. it. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that went down. Um, so in your experience, either NFL or like either your colleges, like did you have any fun like rookie traditions or traditions in general? Yeah, I mean, it, like it, granted, it's been weird this year. And I've you know, heard about rookie dinner and all that, you know, where you, oh, yeah, right. you get <laughs> run. your credit card down. <laughs> yeah, putting your credit down in an extremely nice place. But O-line you know, rookie dinner would be terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's worse than like, you know, singing or whatever. Oh. Oh, it's terrible. Back at home, when you got to put your credit card down for a $20,000 <laughs> bill. It's, oh. um, but, yeah, no, I mean, in college, uh, we, you know, there was always the talent show and whatnot. Um, that was something we always looked forward to. <laughs> and it just, um, you know, kind of those are the things, for me, like, at least that's kind of the kind of stuff I remember more than, you know, in particular individual games, like the funny right. moments when, you know, Guys, used to, we used to have like would freshmen have to do uh, skits and making fun of the coaches and stuff, and it was always pretty funny. And so you know, you'd be shocked. Some guys are extremely creative and they're talented about that kind of stuff. So 
it's cool to see other people's talents that you know you don't normally see on a day-to-day basis yeah we, we had freshman skits too and that that was like one of my best memories from my college like oh yeah hands down. You'll, you'll never yeah. forget it either Pat, you and I did ours together. That was a geez, that was six, seven years ago. Now it seems like I know. It was, we won't mention what we did, but it was absurd. Good <laughs> yeah. I will say you got to be careful, but now with social media, I know, right? Well, it's a totally different sure. world now, and people filming everything. Like that, anything went back in the day, but it was like oh, yeah. it was such a great like bonding experience, and like it oh, wasn't yeah. bad, you know what I mean? But it was like you kept it in the room. No, it, it's what sucks. Is some kid films it and then some kid sees it and sues, yeah. and it's like it just ruins the whole fun yeah. of it. It's like yeah. no one's like it's. There's no malcontent. It's not bad. Right, exactly. Like, everyone's done it. Like everyone's been through it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hard things about I feel like college right now. You know, for football teams or teams in general, is part of you know coming together as a team and as as a group is being vulnerable with each other. And that's really at the heart of it. That's what things like the rookie show are. It's not you're not trying to like make fun of people. It's just everyone has to be comfortable yeah. around each other enough to be vulnerable yeah. and be, you know, so those are the kind of things I do miss that. Those are some of the most fun, fun days, fun events that I can remember from, from my college days. Oh, hands down. Like I, said, I remember all those more so than like particular games or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned, you know, obviously with the, uh, the rookie dinner, you'll have to put down a, a big, uh, you have to pay for a big, big bill, but uh, given that you've already signed your contract and, you know, that's a, it's an exciting, exciting, life-changing event. Do you have any uh, sort of splurge uh, purchases you've made yet, or are you kind of, kind of being careful with that so far? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been trying to be pretty good and, you know, it's, it's hard because it's tempting, you know, you, you've worked for it when I, the only thing I really bought, and it was something I actually obviously needed was a car. And um, it was pretty bright. It was Tahoe. Um, and whatever, you know, nice car, but not anything that's going to run me up. You know, you see yeah. some guys and, you know, you hear all the horror stories and, you know, you, you don't want to be that statistic of the dude who ends up blowing all their money. And, um, you know, two, yeah, or two, you're only getting paid 17 times a year. So that money has to last all year. Like yeah, that's, right. you know, on July 4th, like when you and your buddies are out, like that's the money you earned months and months ago. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm luckily I, I come from a family who um, prioritizes that kind of stuff and financial, like making sure I was, you know, financially educated. And uh, my uncle has helped me out with that kind of stuff too. And he has a history and his company deals with that kind of stuff. So just trying to surround myself with people so you don't end up making a mistake or two. Because, you know, it's not even sometimes urgent, guys, as we get caught up. You know, you think it's some great investment idea oh, and yeah. then it turns out to be a fraud. You know, I saw even like there's some big time names who have been defrauded. And it's not like, they're dumb people you know they're smart guys and yeah you just trust the wrong person or whatever and absolutely it's i was it's funny i was just the other day pat mcafee was on his show talking about he bought a bentley and he was like i bought a bentley just just to show people i could kind of thing mentality and they were laughing about like you you drive into an nfl parking lot and he's like you can tell who are like the vets and then who are like the rookie guys oh yeah he's like then you've the the one wild card like me who was he was was like i didn't have any money but i still had the bentley in the (laughs) shitty parking lot that's a hilarious example before we let you go we uh we always ask we always ask we've asked one more person so far um but we always ask uh what your like go-to cheat meal is if, or if you have like a favorite food or like if you're craving something during the week or after a game, maybe like, what do you, what's your go-to meal? If I'm like, like for me, it's like, 
a bird, like good bird, like five guys or something like that, <laughs> or like Chick Fil A, just some like good like like That's fast hilarious. food like that. That's what Hubbard said. H- yeah, Hubbard our, said our Chris Hubbard. <laughs> he said he eats five guys once a week. He said the same really? thing. Yeah, I actually haven't been since I've been here, but I've been, actually my cheat meals are kind of been trying like, cheese steaks and stuff. Oh, true, true. Oh, and can't go wrong with that. Wow. Yeah. How, do we, how do we not mention that? I know. Damn. Yeah, you still you gotta, the West. I'm on the quest. Philly has a lot of good food. I'm sure a lot of your teammates know, but you like, there's a lot of spots you can hit. I literally said that to my trainer today. I said, honestly, one thing I can so far in my few months of being here, Philly's an extremely good food city. Oh yeah, my. Oh, yeah. My brother lived there for a few years, and I can say it's, there's some great spots there for sure. Yeah. Underrated food city. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know, obviously, you got a very busy schedule, but, uh, you know, thank you again for coming on. Uh, and we're, you know, get healthy. We're excited to see you back on the field, and good luck to you and the Eagles the rest of the way. Yeah, appreciate it. appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to seeing it. We want to thank Jack Driscoll for coming on the show. Uh, it was a real fun interview. He's an interesting guy, and uh, we hope that he's getting better soon and getting back to the field because we know the Eagles need him. That O-line is very beat up, and they got a big game coming up this weekend. Uh, regardless of how much of a dumpster fire it is between those two, two teams, uh, it is for the NFC East, uh, that, that Sunday night game, so it should be a fun one. Uh, speaking of dumpster fires, let's talk about uh, tomorrow's game between the Falcons and the Panthers. Yeah, and, and if there's any Falcons or Panthers fans, there's no offense, please. It's just it's not going to be a great game. It's just <laughs> well, Panthers actually aren't that bad. I'll say that. Um, it's looking like McCaffrey's going to miss, which is terrible for my fantasy team, um, <laughs> and just <laughs> terrible for the viewers because we don't get to watch him. I feel like the Panthers rarely get primetime games, so it actually would have been fun to watch him a little bit. Um, but that that. My pick, I'm going to go with the Panthers. The Falcons, the Falcons have to be the most talented bad team in the NFL right now. Um, they just – they just if you're a Falcons fan, I'm so sorry because you guys just have brutal losses every <laughs> – week in, week out. You just – like your heart just must be just shattered every game. Um, so maybe this is the week you guys put it together and, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio go off and your defense actually shows up. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going with the Panthers in that game. I'm not sure what the line is, um, but I imagine the I believe Panthers it's, should be favored. I believe it's Panthers minus three. And, yeah, with this game, I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, I don't think either of these teams are very impressive. Um, the Panthers have had a couple games where they've shown some sort of life, but, again, I, I, I just don't think either of these teams are really contenders. Obviously, the Falcons aren't. However – this game is one of those games that for some reason the line is really low. It's only three, and I thought the Panthers would probably be favored by five, six maybe. Honestly, just because the Panthers have actually shown the ability to close out win games, Falcons obviously have not. But this is an in-division game. Uh, the Falcons tend to keep games close for some reason. So I would <laughs> actually probably take the Falcons plus three. I think, in you know, points. why not take those points? Yeah, and – I, the, the Panthers offense, I've always been a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, Robbie Anderson having a, like, a breakout year. He's doing great. Um, so they have some weapons. Mike Davis has filled in really well for them. 
Yeah. Um, and their, their offensive line has been pretty solid. Um, defensively, I don't, I'm not too familiar with them, honestly. Um, who do they know defensively? And defensively, they have a D tackle from Auburn, I believe. Um, unless, unless bearing injury, but he like Derek Brown, right? Um, oh yeah, yeah. He was He's an animal. So stud. Obviously, losing Luke Keekley, I feel like that just put a huge hole in their defense for years to come. Um, it's it's hard to replace like a Hall of Fame guy like that. Um, but I Panthers, I Matt Rule's done a really good job there, so they might be sneaky good in the near near future yeah with Robbie Anderson he's really come on the scene this year and again that to me is another Adam Gase prisoner <laughs> that's guy. escaped it's just <laughs> a guy who's escaped the Jets or Adam Gase if you get away Listen, from those two if you get away from those two uh, parts of the NFL you're probably going to be all right so yeah I'll say Gase, that Gase was the same way in, in in Miami he was like he just just demolishes franchises and players that's what I'm saying so. dude and I always liked him in, in, in New York. I would actually stream him a few times in my fantasy team. Like he was, you could tell he was very talented. Um, so I agree. I, I don't know how he, Gase hasn't been fired yet. I don't want to get off topic of the game, but like, my gosh, this is just yeah, dumpster that, fire. To me, the only reason that's possible is that the Jets realize he's terrible and that he can actually lose them games. Like that's the only reason that it makes <laughs> any sort of sense. <laughs> he's actually a positive because he's going to get them Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. I mean, that's, and then, that's they'll get, then they'll get rid of him. That's the only reason I can possibly think that he's still an NFL coach right now. It has to be. Um, so, yeah, I, even though the Falcons haven't been too great this year, um, football is better than no football. So I'm, I'll still be sitting on my couch watching that game. Um, well, I'll be watching because, every single down. Yeah, because it's in game, like in, uh, in division. Kind of, is it a rivalry? Would you say it's a rivalry? I don't really know what the rivalries are of the AFC South, frankly. If anyone does, please let us know. We want, I, I'd love <laughs> to learn more, but I, I really only know about the Saints and the Bucks a ton in, those, yeah. in, the, in that division. Nonetheless, I could see it being like kind of like a sneaky, entertaining Thursday night game, hopefully. Yeah, it's one of those, Thursday one night of those, games usually are bad. Yeah, one of those garbage games that just turns out to be actually kind of electric. Yeah. I mean, that was like, <laughs> that was like last Thursday, the Giants and the Eagles, two just dumpster fires of a team, but – that was a pretty that was a pretty damn fun game. Yeah, so that's all that matters. Um, and then just around the league, talk about the trade deadline a little bit. Um, there's already been some moves that are, have been made. You know, Le'Veon Bell, although slow start in Kansas City, obviously you can expect that. Um, the Ravens added Des Bryant today, and they traded for Yannick. Um, so that their defense, that's just another weapon for their defense with Yannick. Yeah. Um, their D lines just low. Their front seven. I mean, their whole defense, I guess, is loaded. Uh, yeah. Their defense is very good. Like they didn't, I don't, they didn't need him, so that kind of like that kind of stinks that he's on there for my sake. For sure. Um, but like Dez, Bell, Brown, like it'll be interesting to see how those guys get like transition with their new teams if they'll be as good as they were. Um, and then there's a lot of rumors going around, like uh, defensive tackle Quinn Williams, who's an animal and a hilarious guy. Um, from the Jets. Now the Jets deny these rumors, but then a lot of people are saying that they're full of crap. Um, so, in your mind, like out of the contenders, there's already been a lot of teams making moves out of the contenders. You know, the Chiefs, Ravens, Bucks. Do you do you, do you think like the Packers or Steelers or you know some of the fringe teams should make a move here to make a run? 
I mean, I would love to see the Packers make a move. I don't think they'll end up making any sort of meaningful move, but I would love to see it, whether it be at D-tackle. They do need help at D-tackle. Kenny Clark has been injury prone, um, and they have shown some sort of um, uh, you know weakness in the run defense, but I would also love to see them trade for a wide receiver of note. They signed Seth Roberts off the practice squad really? from Carolina. Yeah. Don't act like that's a signing that matters. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, because they literally just cut him today and they already picked him up. That's pretty. Yeah. So, I mean, it's again, not a, not a needle moving move, but <laughs> I would love to see them make a move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of teams that have a lot of weaknesses that still have a chance of winning the Super Bowl, like the teams that we talked about earlier, namely the, the Seahawks. If they can get help on defense, you know, they, they're getting Jamal yeah, Adams back soon. If they can get some help in that front seven um, and, frankly, in, in the, in the um, backfield as well, they need, they need help at corner. Um, you know, if they, made, if they made a move for some, good, for, for some solid pieces, uh, I think that would, be, that would be pretty helpful. Yeah, and I think even if you – just as, like, do your due diligence, due diligence as a team, like um, the Steelers obviously lost Devin Bush – um, I could see them potentially making a move if they need it. And a lot of just a lot of teams in general, like with the injuries this year, um, like I would not be against just just getting some depth in places that you might need it, you know, whether it's like safeties or linebackers or even offensive line. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be a pretty active trade deadline this year, and it already has been. And I know that like I was reading a, a, an Adam Schefter tweet, and he was saying that, you have to make a trade by, you know, a certain day. I believe it's tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, for that for that person to be able to play in the following week. Um, and if you wait until, like, the actual deadline, then they aren't going to be able to play for your team um, until, like, week 10 or whatever. Um, really? Yeah, so it's it's beneficial to make the moves earlier as possible. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these earlier moves being made already. Um so it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. I like there's guys already moving around that I didn't expect to be moving around. So like team like teams like the the Vikings already getting rid of Yannick. They're basically saying, well, we don't really need him anymore. Might as well get a pick. So I think I think a lot of teams might be doing that. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. What do you think about those teams that are at the bottom of the league that you know you could see as being a kind of fire sale team? Um, what what do you think about trying to get? you know, trade some of your assets for picks or for other players, like for the Vikings, a guy like uh, Harrison Smith or, or Anthony Harris or Adam Thielen. Like, what do you got? What do you do with those guys? Like, do you keep them and then hope you can rebuild your team in one off season? I mean, those are, those are expensive players that you don't want to have on your team. If you're going to be, if you're going to be rebuilding. So to me, I I'm of the belief that if you're, if you're bad, if you're one in five right now, just sell everybody. If I'm the Falcons, I'm trading Julio. I'm, I'm trying to get something for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I would even hell, I would trade Matt Ryan. I'd keep a guy like Calvin Ridley, but I, I trade Matt Ryan. I mean, how much longer does he have? Is he going to win another super? Is he going to win a super bowl in his career at this point? No, get rid of him. Try to get, try to get something for him in my opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in, like getting value for your guys especially like older veterans who are very expensive and you know you're not gonna have a shot in the next five years three or five years like what's the point of keeping them around and like i know some people are like well like some of these guys like the face of the team and like good in the community and it's like yeah like that's all good and well but it's also a pretty cutthroat business at the end of the day 
And I'd rather like be able to stockpile as many draft picks as I could um, versus just being like mediocre to bottom of the league just to like, you know, keep a guy who's great with the team and community, whatever. Um, so I, I'm, I'm all for trading guys and getting value if you can. I don't, I don't, I don't see why you hold on to anybody at this point if you're not going to make you know if you don't have potential to make a run. Aside from like young guys, like you're saying, like Calvin Ridley type players, Justin Jefferson, obviously. Like if you have like your young stars, you obviously keep them. Um, yeah. But like guys like Anthony Harris, I heard his name was floating around in terms of you know teams might need safety help. Like I, if I'm the Vikings, like I would get I would trade him for if the if the if the deal was good enough, and I didn't feel like I was getting like like hosed, like I would I would pull the trigger for sure. Well, Anthony Harris, I believe, is also on the franchise tag. So to me, it's like that's a no-brainer. Why even? Why keep him around if if you're you're not going to pay him next year? Might as well get something for him now. Yeah, for sure. And with that, we'll move to our fat boy move of the week. Last week, we heard uh, my story in which it, I frequented Domino's on a regular basis, um, but I told one story individual, uh, one story specifically, which was uh, fairly. Fairly embarrassing, but you know what? I'll live with it. Um, we sent out a, a post on our Twitter account at the Big Uglies Pod, and we got a response from the man himself, Professor Nerdo. Uh, he was the one who gave us the idea for this segment in the first place. And so let's hear what his, his uh, move was uh, for Fat Boy Move of the Week. All right, quick story. One time when I was a graduate assistant for football at Hardin Simmons University, my wife had made a cheesecake one night and she had a, a slice of it. And then the next morning, uh, I had didn't have any football, didn't have any school, didn't have anything to do. So I slept in. Uh, she went to work. She, te- uh, she texted me and then called me. She's like, hey, remember to don't eat another piece of cheesecake uh, today because we're having it with supper tonight. Uh, I had already eaten another slice of cheesecake. So I had to dispose of my crime and cover it up by going to HEB, buying a whole new thing to make another cheesecake, made it. But then I was left with a problem of a uh, cheesecake of having two of them. So I needed to eat the one that I had taken a slice out of. And then I was so full, so miserable. My wife was about to come home and then I had to eat a slice out of the new cheesecake to make it look right. And yes, I did have another piece of cheesecake after supper. Fat boy move. That's so so fucking funny. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Let's, let's just go right into it. That, that story just for me, it hits home in so many different ways. One, the first thing I want to say is I love how he says, I, I went out to buy a new cheesecake. I replaced the old one. And then he said, I had to eat the old, I just had to eat the other cheesecake. I couldn't have thrown it away. Had to eat it. Like, like he would, like, it was literally required that he had to eat it or else there would be, there wouldn't be evidence. He couldn't just throw it in the garbage. I relate on that in so many levels. It's so, it, I just can't, I love that so much. The, ch- the cherry on top for me was that, he had he had a match like he bought he made or bought the new one and he had to like rematch the the other pieces that were taken so not only did he finish it but he had like rematch it oh my gosh my, he, when he, he said that I was dying he also didn't buy like a pre made one he went and made one like a, it, at least that's what it sounded like he legit made yeah. a homemade cheesecake like that's a that's a hard ass process like and he went through that <laughs> to try to cover it up i i absolutely love that the other thing that i loved was was he was saying that he was trying to he just take slivers and just to try to replace like and try to you know 
take little pieces so it doesn't look like he actually took something. That is something I still do yeah. to this day with leftovers, whether it's my, you know, my brothers, my family. Frankly, I do it with my roommates here. They don't know that, but I, I do it all <laughs> the time. You just take a little, like maybe a little spoonful, a little forkful. You'll cut a little slice of pizza. So it's like just barely off. So you can't even tell that something got taken. That's an ultimate fat boy move. And I do that on the daily. I also love that. Like he, he just like had, to, like he just had to finish it. Like you can easily, he could easily just thrown it away, but he's like, man, you can't waste like a delicious cheesecake. Just, just forces the rest down. I can't I, argue my, with him. My question is like, did he ever tell his wife to this day? Like, I wonder if she, like, did she know about this? Maybe this, I don't she, know. I, her first time might be this podcast if he shows it to her. Yeah, I hope she follows her on t- follows him on Twitter. Or yeah, maybe she's <laughs> a maybe she can start being a listener after hearing that. But that is just it's just a hilarious story. I love that. Those are the kind of things we're looking for when we we're talking Fat Boy Movie of the Week. Uh, that's a great story, and I think I think most of us can relate to that. Yeah, and that's just an incredible story. I mean, to start to start the segment with that is pretty awesome. So shout out to you, Professor Nerdo, um, and you being the first one since stands doesn't count. Um, you're currently in the lead for the most hilarious, you know, fat boy move of the week story. Um, and with that, we are going to be moving into our last segment, which is previewing kind of like the only really good game of the, this week. Um, and I know, <laughs> look, I understand every week. It seems like we're previewing a Steelers game. And I know I said, I was a Steelers fan. I, I don't make the rules. The, these games, they're the best games. Like, I, trust me, I wish we were playing the Jets. Like, I don't want to be playing the Ravens. I don't want to be playing the Titans every week. But nonetheless, Steelers-Ravens is clearly the best game this week. Um, it's going to be a great game, hopefully. Um, just just this year alone, and then just given the history of, like, the Steelers-Raven rivalry, you know, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that. Um, so, there's so much on the line here. You got – Steelers Ravens rivalry, you have the AFC North, and then you have the AFC in general, just to see how both teams are going to match up with each other in terms of, you know, most likely a playoff, you know, run by each team. So I'm really looking forward to this game. Um, I think, in my opinion, it's going to be a tight game. The Steelers Ravens are always tight, no matter how good both offenses are. It's just how it somehow works out, it seems like. Um, the matchups I'm going to be looking at. Obviously, the front sevens of both teams are awesome on defense. So, offensive lines for yep. both teams. It's going to be a challenge for both. Um, and then Steelers losing Bush. He was like the spy on Lamar Jackson. And I actually think even though we lost the Ravens last year, um, I, think, I thought we did a very good job of kind of really containing Lamar Jackson last year. Um, and I think that was due to Devin Bush, you know, just his presence on the field. He's so fast sideline to sideline. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how we defend Lamar Jackson like i i'd rather have him throw to beat us than have him ripping off 30 50 yard runs like he can do very easily um so it'll be a really good game and then on the steelers side of things steelers offense um our receivers looking very good and the in the ravens secondary also very good so that's going to be a really great matchup for us um i, I think both teams are going to have tough, tough sledding running the ball. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think the line right now, it was plus five or six dealers. I think it's come down a little bit. Um, but, man, like I, I don't even – like 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'll roll with the Steelers because I have to, being a Steelers fan. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a very close game. I, I honestly am not sure what to expect from the Ravens because I they they really played. They were they were uh, bye week last week. They've only played the Chiefs, in my opinion, like the only good team they played, and they got smoked by them. Yep. And then they kind of played the Eagles the same way we played the Eagles. Um, got up early, and then the Eagles came back. It was a really close game. Um, so we've proved ourselves against the Titans. The Ravens really haven't proved themselves against any other team. Um, so this is like their first game to prove themselves. So I think they're going to be fired up to play us. Um, so I think uh, I think it's going to be a great game, and it's going to be another classic uh, matchup for this rivalry. Yeah, the way I see it is is, and you mentioned it. You know, the the Ravens' run game that's that's their strength. The Steelers' front seven that's their strength. On the other side, it's you know the uh, Steelers' pass game is probably their strongest suit, but then the Ravens' defense is just pretty incredible as well. So something's got to break on both of those sides. I do anticipate it being a lower-scoring game. Not only are they two great defenses, but this is an in-division game. I think both teams are, are, are going to be trying to establish a uh, time of possession. Um, so I, I do think this will be a low-scoring game, but it should, I mean, it, should be, it should be a great game. These are two great teams. Um, you know, arguably, I would say even the most two complete teams on, in the AFC. That doesn't mean the best teams, but maybe the most complete teams. Um, so I, I would lean Steelers here. They did open up at plus six. It's already been down, bet down to plus three and a half. Um, wow. I would even, I even like it at plus three and a half. To me, this is a toss-up game. You know, giving point or you know laying points on the with the Ravens here when they haven't shown up against good teams yet, um, and that was a problem last year in some cases too. Um, versus you know the Steelers who are undefeated, they've had you know two solid wins this year. I you know them being an underdog to me is is a bit of a, a bit of an overreaction. Not even an overreaction. I really don't even know how it happens. This to me, this is close to a pick'em. So. You know, I think you got to go Steelers if you're on the betting side of this. But, um, yeah, like you said, should be a great game. Um, I'm interested to see the Steelers linebackers against Mark Andrews specifically. Mark yeah. Andrews is probably the, the Ravens' best weapon aside from Lamar. So losing Dev, uh, Devin Bush is a big loss in terms of covering the tight end. So that will be interesting to see for me um, how, how the Steelers end up trying to cover that tight end. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's important to note, like you and you said it, like the difference between, you know, just head to head versus like in terms of betting, like in terms of betting, like if Steelers like undefeated, like if they're getting like any three to six points, like you kind of gotta take them, even if they don't, even if they don't win, like it's just crazy that undefeated team is getting like that many points, you know. Um, but I, I agree that that was my biggest worry too when the Bush got injured. Like matching up tight ends wise, um, but we we shut down Jonu Smith last week, last week, and he he was he's been do, doing great this year. Um, so that that made me feel a little bit better. But um, like Mark Andrews and like Travis Kelsey's of the world, like that's a different story. And I think um, so that would definitely be be interesting to watch for sure. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, Big Ben in this game if he has a bounce back from last week. Um, and also to see who from the wide receivers on the Steelers kind of separates himself in this game. 
the one I would say Deontay Johnson, he's getting the most targets of anyone when he's healthy, which again, he got injured at the end of the Steelers game against the Titans. So we'll see how he ends up uh, feeling for that game. But you know, they got the Ravens have Marlon Humphreys. They got Marcus Peters. They have some absolute beasts on in that backfield. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, who from the Steelers in the past game can really make a difference. I would watch out for Eric Ebron. I think he has a potential to have a big game. Yeah, Ebron Ebron's was a sneaky, awesome pickup for the Steelers. Um, and, and, and if you know Ben, like Ben's always loved his tight ends as like a safety net kind of thing, even like with back in the day, like Keith Miller. Um, for sure. And Ebron, like Ebron's not like fancy relevant in terms of like getting 10 targets and whatnot, but like he's been very effective when he has been targeted. Um, and has has kind of bailed the Steelers out in like third and longs and whatnot because everyone's we have so many different wideouts. You know, I think people kind of forget about Ebron like sneaking down a seam and whatnot. No doubt. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game. <laughs> we were both saying it's gonna be like low scoring and everything. I was like, watch, it's gonna be a shootout probably. Um, yeah, knowing knowing my betting abilities, it will definitely <laughs> be like a thirty five thirty one game. But it's the Steelers have been interesting because. Like every week, it seems to be a new receiver like breaking out. Like you've had Claypool nowadays, now, and then we've had Deontay Johnson break out, um, and then they had uh, even James Washington had a few touchdowns um, this and year. And then Juju's so far. always there too. Yeah, and then yeah, and that's like then again, like to top it all off, you have like Juju back in the slot, and he he's always capable. And um, they seem to have really good chemistry right now because it's really young room. And uh, they're just like having fun. You know, there's not really any, there's not really any guy in there like I need to get mine this game. You know what I mean? So it's like, in terms of fantasy, it, it'd be tough to start any of those guys with confidence because like, any any given Sunday, like a guy can go off where he can get like a few catches. Um, so in terms of fantasy, good luck starting anybody against the Ravens. It's like I'd say that's a coin flip. So that should be an exciting game. We're looking forward to it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. Um, and we also want to thank Jack Driscoll again for the interview. Uh, we're looking forward to having more guests just like him in future episodes. And with that, we want to thank you for turning, tuning into this episode of the Big Uglies podcast. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at WeAreBigGuys, as well as our new Twitter account at the Big Uglies Pod. Also, don't forget to download and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And hit up the merch store on the We Are Big Guys account for all your big man apparel needs. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.